Welcome to the first episode of my podcast, which doesn't have a name, but hopefully will by the time I post it. (laughs) I'm Nicola, and I'm going to be talking today about fashion, clothes, and style during the pandemic, along with my guests, who are Jackie Shapiro. Shacoin. Shacoin. I asked you before we started, but I, and I wrote it down phonetically and then I doubted myself. That's okay. <laughs> who's a fashion and retail trend forecaster and writer. Uh, David Turner, who's a music and culture writer. And Biz Sherbert, who's a fashion and culture writer and also does fashion theory for the people on TikTok at Bimbo Theory and Instagram, Mark Fisher quotes. Biz, I was looking at your like followers on both of those platforms and you have... 10 times as many followers on TikTok as you do on Instagram. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> Are you Gen Z? Yeah, I am. I'm like in my, my early 20s, but I'm like okay. a cusp-ish. So I think that's probably... I have a lot of Gen Z followers on TikTok. They're quite young, I think. That makes sense. Do any millennials interact with you there? Not really. Yeah, they definitely do. I think I think people on TikTok that are millennials tend to be like not as heavy in the comment section yeah because I feel like teenagers have more free time so they just like go off in comments so yeah. there's definitely there's definitely some though yeah I just was like doing my little research and I was like oh damn anyway so today we're gonna be talking about what happened with fashion during the pandemic and what we think is gonna happen next it's been a little over a year since this all started we're kind of coming out of it with vaccines and warmer weather but I wanted to take a note to talk about the words fashion versus clothes. To me, fashion is the emotional part of getting dressed, like the personal myth building. Clothes are the objects, like the pieces of apparel. I don't know. How do you guys feel about those words? Do you think about them at all? Or are they all synonymous to you? I think about fashion more as like an industry. And then like style maybe would be like the personal connection to the objects. Yeah. But that could just be because of like what I do. Mm-hmm. I know. I was thinking about that, too. I think about fashion as, like, the industry also, like, capital F fashion. Yeah, I definitely think when you think about fashion, there's probably innately more, like, cultural context that come with that word than just clothes. Yeah, because when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, like, the fashion industry had its own various reckonings with, like, retail, with supply chains, whatever. But then there's also a lot to talk about of just, like, everyday people and how they chose to get dressed and that sort of thing yeah i was gonna say that's why i like clothes because clothes definitely feels like how most people probably think of that of style to like make that distinction i feel like clothes or maybe like older people i I just talked to my parents earlier and i know they would never use style but like they they just say clothes clothes basically mean the same thing for them yeah 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 normal people don't use the word apparel and they don't use the word (laughs) style they use the word clothes (laughs) and like maybe they use the word fashion yeah i feel like when you're growing up if you like had some sort of fit about not being fashionable, your parents would just be like, they're just clothes. Like, yeah. I feel like that's something yeah. parents said a lot. I one time I went to an Alexander Wing sample sale a million years ago. Rest in peace, Alexander Wing. <laughs> Canceled. Uh, <laughs> but I, I came home with like a pair of shoes that were very expensive. My boyfriend at the time was like, but they go on the ground. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually a really good point. The shoes do go on the ground at the end of the day. But let's start. Okay, so part one, pandemic fashion in review. Let's start with uh, right before the pandemic, January, February 2020, before the virus really came to the U.S. Do you guys even remember what was going on in fashion then? It's really hard. 
I no. like was thinking about that. I was like, damn, like what what was going on? Yeah, I did. I like looked back a little bit. That's when opening ceremony closed all its stores in January. Oh, yes. So that, which is like a foretelling because then like everyone wound up closing their stores. Sustainability was a really hot topic. Like it was actually really making headway. Yeah, because that was because the climate strike was like the end of 2019, which yeah. feels like a decade ago. But yeah, and so that was like permeating a lot of different industries. I know that like even reached a little bit into the music industry, which that like where I come a little bit a little bit more from. Why? What was sustainability happening in music? Um, in electronic music, people got really up in arms about like DJing and just DJs like doing international flights and all that kind of stuff, and just sort of oh the fact that like, yeah, I mean it's it's very it's very sceny. I'm a carbon neutral DJ. I offset <laughs> all of my flights. I buy offsets. But like actually, that's kind of what people have been asking for and wanting more people to do that. So, um, but like that was like a big thing. I think that's actually now just started to come back, come back again. So, but it's actually like what like fashion, I guess. I think I was texting you probably about this, but I think maybe you were like saying you're going to start coming back, coming back to New York City, like in mm-hmm. early 2020. I was just like, like whatever fashion I saw on the street was very, I don't want to say flat, but I was like, oh, we've been doing this for a minute. And yeah. I feel like things that kind of like stag, it started like stagnating in like early 2020 into 2019. And I could sort of see some things trying to emerge, but I felt like things were sort of stagnating for a minute. Yeah. Jackie Biz, do either of you have memories of that time really? I feel like we were still kind of stuck in that like Gucci, like at the high fashion level, like we were still stuck in this like Gucci being the dominant force and like everything that was in like fashion news. And then when you say, oh, like, when you say, like, opening ceremony, closing, I do remember thinking that this is kind of like a big deal for retail and that, like, now there's where are all these, like, small designers going to go, but that it was, like, also kind of this big moment for, like, Gen Z, essentially. Like, there's, like, these cafe forgot type re- mm-hmm. boutiques that are, like, kind of who's going to fill that space. And it felt like it was really, like, this opening for, like, a different generation to kind of come in and kind of start to control the fashion narrative. Yeah. Oh, I like that take. Yeah. And Barney's also, that was like in the wake of Barney's also. So it felt like Barney's and opening ceremony were like, oh wait, that's where you went to find different stuff in the past. Like, and then it got a little flat, but yeah, it's like, where are you going to go have like the discovery moment where like, you don't already know what you're looking for. You just know you want to see something you haven't seen before. Yeah. I think Gen Z was like just on people's minds in terms of them and just entering the fashion industry and like people paying attention to what they want. So I think Y2K was really starting to emerge as like yeah. a, a style that was really popular with young people. But I don't think there was like a big like Gen Z voice yet. Like Jackie said, like it was just starting to kind of happen. And I think definitely TikTok, when TikTokers started becoming famous, I think that's when people started thinking really hard about like, what does Gen Z want to wear and what do they like? Yeah, yeah. What is the oldest you can be if you're Gen Z? Is the year 2000 the year? No, it's like 97, 98-ish. Yeah. So it's like, it's like the late-ish 90s. So the oldest you could be if you were Gen Z right now is what? Like 24, 25? Yeah. yeah okay. Like around that. So that's old enough to have, like, you can be starting businesses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally. Raise money. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of Gen Z, like, venture capitalists out there. Yeah. Also, what was going on then was, like, the Democratic primaries, which feels, like, fake. Like, that feels like it never even happened. Bernie was really picking up steam. It was such a hopeful moment. 
And then, yeah, the, the pandemic and the DNC really put the hammer down. But it felt like there was definitely more, I don't know, that people were like a little bit more engaged with the world outside of like just themselves, were engaged with like bigger ideas at the time and were feeling kind of like hopeful. And that's where we were before. And then it struck down. Where were you guys all living when it happened? I was in New York. Yeah, I was in Brooklyn. I was in New Orleans, actually. Oh, were you visiting or living there? No, I was living there. Yeah. Oh, cool. How was it there? It was crazy. People in Louisiana have a very different mentality about, like, emergency crisis situations because of the hurricanes and, like, everything that happens there. Um, So it's definitely a very interesting vibe to weather. Did it feel like they were, like, really prepped or did it feel like they were really casual? Really casual. Yeah. For most of it, yeah. I was in LA at the time and it was like, yeah, it felt like a really big shift. Like it felt like the streets got really empty. It felt like all the, like I noticed, you know, people weren't going to work anymore. So there was just like no parking spots anywhere. <laughs> like, cause everyone's car was parked at home and stuff. Um, and I noticed so many people running. I was like, oh, I guess we're all runners now. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, in New York, the devil was a lot of a lot of people running for a while, and the streets were definitely empty for a minute, which was kind of I don't know. It was it was interesting. I guess now looking back on it, like there there were just so many stark moments of like March was very different than like June, which felt mm-hmm. different than like December. It's like all feels like very like discrete, different kind of moments. But yeah, the early part of it was really really weird. But also, I remember people like didn't leave their houses, which is a thing I still kind of think is weird now to think about. Because, yeah. like, I would just go on walks in the morning because I can't be in my apartment for more than 24 hours. That's, like, nah, it's a no-go. But people didn't leave. Like, I still have some friends. Well, not not so now, but I still have friends, like, by, like, the end of the summer. Oh, yeah, I've only left my apartment, like, like five or six times. I'm like, what? How? How? Did any of you guys have any moments where you, like, really noticed that people were dressing different, like, on the street or online? On the street, no. I mean, I live in Ridgewood, and so I feel like it was kind of, like, normal. Like, it just kind of felt like normal Queens, like, Polish people dressing the same way that they always did. And, like, kind of, like, masks, like, maybe. But, like, on the internet, yeah, I feel like there was a lot more, like, people posting. I feel like there was a lot more, like, people posting more, like, not just, like, sweats, but, like, more, like, maybe, like, a photo of them on their underwear. Not in, like, a sexy way, but just in a kind of, like... Like a parade, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, parade really got everyone to just, like, be in their underwear on Instagram. I know. They kind of did an amazing thing, being an underwear brand and being able to, like, get everyone to, like, show their underwear. I mean, I guess it wasn't that much to ask of people. People are pretty ready to do that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, really? What? For one free pair of $9 underwear? For sure, I'll take a pic. <laughs> yeah. I think I noticed people dressing differently when, like, cottagecore and dark academia were kind of becoming really popular on TikTok. And you could kind of make a whole audience based off of dressing in this, like, this style that um, was really cultivated on TikTok. When did you see that start bubbling up? Um, I would say, well, I started doing TikTok in, like, April... So around then, because that's kind of what I was first talking about. And then I think it kind of hit its most highest peak in like August with like the viral strawberry dress, if you guys remember that. Yeah. Like that seems like very much pandemic, uh, very much like a pandemic fashion moment. Yeah, I wanted to talk about cottagecore and 
the nap dress. <laughs> the nap dress was a really funny um, emergence because it was just like tired of sweats. Try a dress. Like, <laughs> wanna wanna feel a little bit more dressed up? Why don't you sleep in cotton poplin instead of um, sweatpants or whatever? But it also went really hand in hand with cottage core. Like, it made a lot of sense as both like a rebranding of like what a dress can be that you could sleep in it and like be lazy in it. And also that it was kind of like in style with something that people were already like wanting to wear, I guess, in a non pandemic sense. I actually don't know what the nap dress is. Really? Maybe this is millennial culture. Oh my God. I I think Um, it might be a millennial thing. It might be like a, Oh God, I have such a specific woman in my mind when I picture this. Um, yeah, no, the nap dress is like, uh, you know, it's not fitted waist. Like maybe it's like off the shoulder or whatever, like has like stretch to it of some kind, but looks kind of like you can run an errand and like carry a little like basket purse and like look cute. But you can Got also it. like just it's like a nightgown. I don't know Got why it. they had to okay. give it nap. Because yeah. nap makes it sound like more cutesy. Wait, so is it actually called that? Like people when they sell it, they call it that? Or is it something the people call it? It's both. Yeah. It's like media calls it that. I think um, the brands call it that. And then I'm sure people just adopted it from there. But yeah, I get this shit pushed on my little ads like regularly. So (laughs) I'm probably going to get a bunch of ads for it now. Yeah. My phone's like listening to me say nap dress. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Nap dress, nap dress, nap dress. Um, (laughs) I know. Actually, just seeing all the ads crop up was like very interesting in the pandemic one because we're just like on our phones more like had more time for it and two just like watching the brands like figure out what they wanted to sell us in the pandemic Mm. especially like obviously like lounge clothes I guess we should talk about athleisure which was already sort of um I guess like athleisure was already kind of like I don't know. I'm picturing someone like throwing a baseball, but I don't know what the language is for like when you gear up for a pitch. I don't know. Oh, like, like the wind and up. it felt like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it felt like the pandemic was just like throwing the baseball, like, oh, it's just all the way off now. Like people have been getting more casual in their clothes, like for a while and the pandemic hit and it was like, the toothpaste is out of the tube as far as the sweats go. Yeah, I mean, I get that's something I noticed on Zoom calls, like at, at work and just in general, was sort of like how people presented themselves. We sort of like went on a journey where I think at some point, I think people were like, well, whatever, I'm just sort of like here. And then some folks started to try to like get like proper setups. And then by like the late summer, by the fall, I could definitely tell like some people, or I guess like more important people at work had whole like whole Zoom setups. And I'm like, oh, okay, you sort of figured out that there's like sort of a, like some amount of like formality to this. But now I'm kind of back to like, I feel like people are also like, I just don't really care that much. I feel like it's yeah. kind of ebbs and flows. It's like ebbed and flowed a little bit in terms of like how much people are even like putting, like trying to make like some present, presenting themselves in some of these different contexts. Because that's just like, a, it's a new context. Like a very like weird one too. I know. I feel like putting the effort into like making a Zoom background or like making your house look nice for Zoom calls is like giving in. It's like weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way about the mask. Like, I did not buy one mask. Like, I only... All the masks I have were things that, like, you know, if you buy this much stuff, we'll send you a mask. Or, like, things that were, like, sent like that. Like, I did not want to spend money on one mask because I was like, no, I refuse to, like, own this and, like, be in this. Yeah, the really... The cute masks were funny. I also was kind of, like, 
shady about those, but I think they, like, made people feel better about themselves in a good way. Like, I think they gave people, like, a smile on their face. Yeah. Um, Which I definitely, like, did not feel when I was wearing, like, a dirty, like, disposable mask. Those ones are really nasty. I feel like they smell like... It smells like being at the dentist or something. It's really Mm -hmm. gross. That's a great smell. Please don't disturb that smell. (laughs) I feel like a big moment in, like, the athleisure space that you're talking about was um, when people started wearing flared leggings, and that was the thing. That, I feel like, was a huge turnaround for athleisure, because I feel like for a really long time, people that were trying to make athleisure, like, luxurious were kind of moving away from, like, um, yoga pants because they kind of have like a really basic connotation but mm-hmm. then those came massively into style and like people they're like still sold out on the websites that sell them yeah and it felt like oh we're bringing we're bringing like a new we're bringing a new silhouette into what has always been just like <laughs> what a, basically like a skinny jean it's a legging right it's gonna like mm-hmm. hug your body and it's like, oh, it's kind of mirroring, like, denim in a way where it's like, oh, the denim's getting looser, like, the leggings are getting looser. It's also another big, like, I feel like, illustration of the divide between Gen Z and millennials who were like, Gen Z was like, flared leggings. And it's like, oh, you mean yoga pants? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> These things that we've been, had since, like, the early 2000s and were kind of, like, embarrassing, like, mom clothes. I know, but I think like that's the great tension between Gen Z and millennials is that Gen Z is always a uh, bringing back something that's horrifying to millennials, like a little bit earlier than millennials are ready for it, and then they slowly acquiesce because they're like, "Fuck! Look at all these young hotties wearing these great outfits. Like, I guess I'm gonna wear that too, or whatever." You ready for low rise jeans? <laughs> yeah, like low rise jeans. But I think also that low-rise jeans are also kind of like um, a privilege of the young. Like, it's hard to be a woman in your 30s or 40s and have, like, a low-rise jean-ready stomach, you know? Like, Mm. unless you make a project of having that stomach, like, that's something you, like, spend days a week on. Or, like, not days a week, but you, like, have a a workout regime that is, like, so that... (laughs) That can be accommodated. Like, I think it is just something that, like, teens and 20-somethings are always going to look probably better in, like, a low-rise than... I think there's, like, a very functional reason why millennials are going to, like, hold on to their high-rise pants. Yeah, I think that's true. I think um, sometimes I, like, am really hateful towards teenagers. Like, I'm like, I you guys look really stupid in what you're wearing. But then my one of my friends, Meg, Meg Superstar Princess, um, she was like, teenagers should always do, like, whatever they want and wear whatever they want. And I was like, oh, that's, like, actually really true. Like, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, it's really interesting, like, all the talking about teenagers. I'm like, did adults talk about teenagers this much when I was a teenager? Like, there's no way, right? No, they they did. They did. Like, that's, like, the wild thing is that, like, people have been talking about teens in basically the same way since, like, the 50s. It's like, yeah, people have been obsessed with teens in this way for, like, a long time. I just think it's always shocking because I think the older you get, it just seems more... I don't know. I, I sense the gawking aspect of it a lot more the older I've gotten. It's similar to like, I used to like college sports when I was younger and then I stopped once I got out of college. So I was like, oh, that's an 18 year old. That's weird. That's <laughs> yeah. weird that a, like a 45 year old man's going to cry at a sports game because an 18 year old missed a pass or something. Like that's like yeah. weird. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's a similar thing with like teens and fashion where it's like, oh yeah, like you're all, everyone is always gawking at teens. It just becomes a little bit more 
a little bit more gauche the older you get, unless it's like your job to gawk at the teens. Yeah. And also like the culture industries are always so horny to bring in young people, like the younger, the better, like, um, it's like flashy, right? Like, uh, to have, to be like, this was photographed by a 16 year old and I'm Kanye West. Like, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> like this stylist is 12. Like he covered, he styled Vogue or whatever it might be, but it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Like young, like teenagers are, it's always seemed like really strange to me to put them on a pedestal because it's like, these are kids like figuring themselves out, like doing uh like testing out like what works what doesn't work what do I feel good in and like you know they're like brains aren't fully formed and it's just weird it's so weird that adults like are like fuck everything that I know and have learned in my life look at the teens they're the ones with the information (laughs) um that's who's that's who's got to know what's up I mean obviously like youth always there's always like youth matters for various reasons but I can remember the first person I met who was really like teen like always talking about like the teens and I thought it was like kind of strange and then it I felt like I couldn't tell if it was because I met her that I started noticing it all the time or if she like kicked off something that I that like hadn't been happening before but yeah it's really cringy and it's really cringy to read like millennials interpreting Gen Z on like legacy media for boomers you know (laughs) Biz, what do you think from that? <laughs> no, I agree. I remember reading, like, the New York Times or something, writing about TikTok fashion. And I think there definitely is, like, an element of um, spectacle that gets inserted in there when, like, there is a, a generational gap, I guess. But I think David is probably right in that that's always been a thing. But I think somehow it does... It, I think it's always going to, like, be painful to read older people trying to make sense of, like, fully online behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the thing that makes it very sometimes harder to read than maybe it was in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Jackie and I actually were DMing earlier this morning, and she was saying something about, um, like, something in middle school. And I was like, oh, we didn't have that at my middle school. And it really made me think, like, damn, if we were just a little bit younger and we were all online, we would have all had the same thing as at our middle school, but we are like just old enough to have had different things at our middle schools. And that's, I know, I mean, whatever, everyone wants to like make the most of like who they are and what they have or whatever, but I, I am appreciative to like have had some distinction. Like I was glad to not know what you were talking about, Jackie. <laughs> like it felt good. I mean, it wasn't like a positive thing. It was no, no, no. But it's like a stupid. We were talking about the Balenciaga gay hat, which I'm obsessed with. And she was saying like that at her at her middle school, like uh, people said that Gap stood for gay and proud. And I was like, oh, we didn't have like that was at my middle school. That's so funny. Um, yeah, if you wore like the sweatshirts or like t- with the Gap logo, which were huge back in like this could have even been an elementary school, and yeah. people would be like, oh, you're gay and proud, which. Like, you know, I grew up outside Philly and like everyone's kind of just like me in there. I was like, maybe that's just <laughs> maybe that was just a local cultural bully. Yeah. <laughs> local mean culture. Yeah. I'm going to say Gap. I was actually, Nicola, I've been wanting to talk about this at some point, but it's like Gap is like a weird brand to me because I have like no associations with it. 
like at all. I just like seen it. And whenever I saw like, cause I don't think anyone I went to school with growing up ever wore Gap that much. So I feel like when I started like reading more about fashion, like up, like as a teenager, it was always really strange to read it as like a thing that people cared about. Cause I was like, oh, yeah. that indistinguishable, like nothing blob of, of Gap. It's so nothing. Yeah. I have, okay. I do remember like there being a big push with like the logo and, uh, the polos, like they were doing like polos, polo dresses. And it was like, I just remember this very specific big push. I think I must've been like late elementary school, like early middle school or something. So pre nine 11, um, <laughs> pre nine 11 gap, Clinton era gap, Bush era gap. I don't know which one it was, but, <laughs> and I remember, uh, this is such a formative experience. I asked my mom because the logo I don't know. They were just like doing a really big push around it. And like the logo tee was like everything. And I really wanted it. And I asked my mom, like, you know, can I get this? And she was like, no, we don't pay to advertise for companies. And that really informed my life. Like from then on out, like I still don't wear logos because I'm like, we don't pay to advertise for companies. Wow. But, oh, another thing that happened was like the, in the pandemic was the announcement of Gap and Yeezy, which still hasn't come to fruition. The rumor is it's supposed to come out this I think at the end of the summer, maybe. That's still a long way away. I wonder if he'll finally do something. Yeah, I don't know. Both Gap and American Apparel failing. Biz, I know you have a lot to say about American Apparel, but the b- fact that both of them like couldn't get it to, or like can't get it together. And J. Crew too, I'm like, you have all the name recognition. You have like, they're not all like vertically integrated, but like you have all of the supply chain that you have for like so long you have the stores, people know what your brand is. Like, why can't you make a fucking product that people want? Like, that's all that's missing. You are, you already have everything set up for you and you can't make stuff that people want. And like, that's really on you. Yeah, I'm gonna take two quick, one quick second. I would love to like Normcore out to, to J. Crew. I would love to like sell out at this point. Be like, I'm just only gonna wear J. Crew things. But every time I go to J. Crew, mm-hmm. it's just not great. And I'm like, I don't have high, and I don't feel like I have high standards or anything. I'm just like, oh, I would love to this ease into that but they aren't letting me which is annoying because i remember when i got i guess like yeah it's like early in, in college when i really started paying attention to more like fashion like fashion stuff i like love j group it was like oh that's the kind of cool place to go if you like want to go to buy something nice and you don't live in an actual city with real stores and you only mm-hmm. can go to like the j crew at the best store you can go to i'm like okay cool i know it's kind of crazy to think of that like jenna lyons era that there was um what was that like circa 20 20- 13 or something and it was actually like j crew was like hot and cool and like you know like they showed fashion week and stuff and people were like excited to go to that presentation i feel like that was like the color blocking when color blocking was really their main staple which i feel like they still do it but i know the color blocking like came back this past season but i feel like j crew is still really twee like they have a lot of Things with, like, pearls on them or, like, mm-hmm. embroidered, like, bees or something like that. Yeah, it's, like, who is this granny woman? Yeah. But after, all right, after I graduated college, I bought, like, three dresses from J. Crew, and they really served me well. So I think I, like, uh, would give them props for that. Their, their fit is actually still pretty good for, like, a, a mall company. I was really surprised. Yeah, I think that the stuff I've bought from there, because I, during that Jenna Lyons period, I tried to wear color and, like, be a, like, print mixing person, which I'm not. So many bad outfits from that period. But everything that I bought that I, like, still have has, like, held up well. Like, it's 
fine quality for the mall clothes. And everything's always, I mean, same with uh, the Gap. Like they sell everything 40% off pretty much all the time. You'd have to be an idiot to pay full price for something at the Gap. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that's even possible, actually. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe easy. But then then there was the big backlash that they like took Telfar's contract away and like gave it to Kanye or something because they could like only have like one black person at the Gap or whatever. <laughs> that was like a big drama. But Telfar did great for himself in uh in the pandemic. Yeah, Telfar had a great year. The bags are really popping. The boots are popping. I want the loafers actually, or a belt. I think the belt is a is a cute look. Get the belt. Um, the bag feels a little played out, but. Well, I'm gonna say I saw actually I saw like a like a little like a teen and her mom in Sunset Park with a tough with a Telfar bag, which I feel like maybe the first time I saw someone that just wasn't a Bushwickian or someone from Ridgewood yeah. with a Telfar Telfar bag, and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. I see a good amount. I live right by a big like bus stop, and I see people waiting for the bus with the Telfar like the extra large one. Like my favorite thing is to see the biggest Telfar stuffed to the brim. Like that person like left for the left the house for the day and is gonna be gone for like a while. I'm like, yes, like where are you going? But I see a lot of just kind of like, yeah, people you wouldn't expect with it. And I'm like, wow, the reach is real. So that's cool. They were a winner. Peloton also really uh came back from the dead during the pandemic because they had that like terrible ad, remember? Wait, which ad? Oh yeah. The woman who like gets it from her from her husband and she like makes all this weird videos about like how much she's doing her Peloton for him. And then she like shows him the videos at the end. Oh (laughs) yeah. And then, yeah, that was like a whole thing. And then like the, the guy from that was like, um, now I feel like I've been cast into this role and like, I can't act anymore. And like Peloton value, like actually like went down pretty fast after that. But then in the pandemic, yeah, they can't keep up with the orders. Like everyone's, Everyone's biking. I got a bike behind me, but it's not Peloton. I didn't. I didn't know Peloton existed before the pandemic. I literally thought they invented in the pandemic. Yeah. No, maybe that's another millennial culture thing. No, I think (laughs) yeah, that's um. Is did did they just come through like the what was it called? Soul Cycle was that like the same era of like? Did they were they associated with that? Peloton. I'm trying to remember if they ever had studios. I don't think so. I I, I feel like so. it came right after, though. I feel like it was Soul Cycle mm. and then Peloton because Peloton was sort of like the even, yeah, the more like isolated version of Soul Cycle. So if you couldn't yeah. afford to go to one of the classes or you didn't live someplace where you could get one of go to one of the classes, you could actually just get the Peloton, and it's like kind of kind of trying to accomplish a similar thing. Yeah, and now Soul Cycle makes their own um, at home bike. Yeah. Okay, other things that happened of note, George Floyd's murder and resultant protests, the summer of rioting, BLM, and all of the brands learning the word anti-racist. Uh, we're, working, we're all working to become actively anti-racist. Like, here's, here's how we're learning. Um, every website having, like, a black bar at the top that's like, we stand with <laughs> uh, Shop now. Thoughts on... Uh, brands and i don't know that did it actually i mean are they still doing that i was semi recently on the urban outfitters website and they still had a thing that was like here's how we're working towards becoming anti-racist or like we hear you we're doing everyone's doing better 
Interesting. I'm just on the. I'm just looking at the Jake website. I saw nothing about anti-racism there. So. Oh. Um, <laughs> there was also oh I oh on Patagonia. I was on Patagonia's website the other day too, and they also had like a big block on their website, like how we're learning to become anti-racist. Oh, I mean, I'll. I mean, I'll give like one shout out to the protesters that like went out to um that decided to only go to like really nice stores in Soho and like Rodeo Drive and stuff. Shout Very out cool. To them. That was fun. I mean, it also gave me like one of my favorite days of last year, which was the was it Black Square Day on Instagram and like social media, whatever. <laughs> I had but to I got Instagram. Off, yeah, but I got the day yeah. off because because SoundCloud, like the rest of the music industry, took the time for reflection, internal reflection. Mm, that's and so, awesome. Yeah, so I went out to like Manhattan where they just like looted shit and decided like take photos of all like the like looted out buildings from like Midtown all the way to Soho, and it was lovely. It was one of the I most was... lovely days. I feel like that's when I was like, I got to move back to New York because I was in L.A. at the time. But I really had wished that I'd been here for like that moment. I see. Yeah, I think I like kept sending you photos because it was just so yeah. fun to walk through something. Because I like, because I got there early enough that they hadn't started repairing some of the stores yet. So I got to like walk into like some of them trying to step over the glass to sort of see what was up. It was a very cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was on I was on Instagram, like screenshotting all of these like images of just like sm- like designer logos like on the windows just like smash i was like wow this is fucking nuts yeah but that's why i liked it because it was kind of like i don't know when i read the news the news made all that stuff especially time kept going on throughout the summer to seem so anarchic and so like who knows what could have happened and i'm like i think i knew what could have happened but what would have happened if they just took more stuff from soho there was no like there wasn't going to be like a next level they're going to take down the capital if they did the capital thing or whatever but yeah. before that, it's like I wasn't. There was no like to me sense of like, oh, this is infringing danger. It's only danger if I'm like a fashion brand or something, and then I'm very yeah. scared to go outside. I know. I was thinking about that with like with the Capitol riots because I decided to watch my conservative cousin's Instagram story. So I was like, I wonder what she's posting right now, you know? And um, it was just very much like some man talking about like it's like a repost of a video that was like some man being like. And they let BLM tear up the streets all summer. If this was BLM, they'd let them just walk right into the Capitol, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, like on the left, everyone's like, if this was BLM, they'd be shooting them. (laughs) Um, But it was interesting because I was thinking about the difference between like the Capitol versus like the Prada store or whatever. Like those are two very different ideas to loot public property versus private property, which I guess is what a lot of that debate like came down to. Yeah, I don't think anyone is, I mean, I feel like there was for a long time yeah, that I saw people debating, like, is it right to loot the Gucci store? And it seems like yes. most people were, like, <laughs> fine with it. So I guess there's a moment of learning or something. Oh, yeah. I had to really, lo- I, the Black Square day was the, the Black Square and then the Black Square backlash was when I was like, I, have, I had to take an Instagram break. So I was like, this is getting too fucking stupid. Yeah, that's. I wasn't on Instagram at that at that point, so like that was oh, like yeah. a whole thing. I just was. Bit, I honestly was never more confused about that entire sort of like thing as it metastasized because I was just like, oh wait, there's black squares. Because I, I, did, I didn't see it on Twitter. There wasn't that wasn't a thing that happened on Twitter, mm-hmm. and that's like the only platform I was on right then. So I'm like, oh, what's this weird day happening? I guess on Twitter, the the same thing would be if you just like posted a blank tweet or just like period. Like if everyone just. Posted, like, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Anyway, that's all in the past. Oh, I guess the only other thing I want to talk about is that the proliferation of tie-dye. It seems like tie-dye really seemed to like blow up with kind of like the resurgence of like Grateful Dead, which I guess has John Mayer to thank for that. I don't really know how to pull that thread, but I have a lot of thoughts on it. But tie-dye really kind of came back and then it seemed like in the pandemic, it like everyone's like, well, that's also a hobby I can do. And everyone started like little fake tie-dye brands. And then also the all the brands started selling tie-dye versions of what seemed to be like their excess inventory. <laughs> it's like, now the sweatsuit comes in tie-dye, didn't you know? Um, now it comes in bleach tie-dye. And yeah, I just wonder like how much longer can tie-dye live? <laughs> I think tie-dye has like a kind of within like certain contexts, it's got like a perennial sort of appeal, you know, like maybe if, if it's like a, Grateful Dead, like maybe online ceramics can get away with it or like a really well done tie dye has its place. But as like a kind of like overall trend, I feel like it's kind of trickled down to be something that's like it's like for kids, which is, I think, where tie dye really belongs. <laughs> like, chil- yeah, like children's like baby wear. I feel like uh, it kind of goes in hand in hand with like a lot of fashion being like babyfied, like the tennis skirt and then um I can't remember the name of the beaded bags right now. The Susan Susan Alexandra bags, like which I like, but there is like yeah. this this like childlike um, Barrettes. Yeah. Yeah. Scrunchies. Essence that I think Yeah, I th- but I, I agree with, with Jackie that, you know, it it does come from the kids section and works its way up and then like back down, I guess. Yeah, because it's like a camp craft. We're like, I'm at camp and this is like something we do. Tie-dye has had like a l- a lot has had, I guess also just because it's really easy to make at like every level and I guess easy to wear, but it seems like it's had a much longer like life span than I thought it would. And it seems to like still be pressing on, but I wonder, I guess looking, let's talk about looking forward. Um, I guess people are really like forecasting that there's going to be a reaction to all of the athleisure and like casualness that people are going to be like horny for glamour. Do you guys believe this theory? How do you feel about it? I feel torn. I think like a lot of like the clients that I work with are always kind of like, please tell me like the day that people will buy like regular clothes again Uh because that's just what they want to hear. And I think there is a certain kind of like aspirational shopping people are doing for like one day when I can go wherever again like whether it's Mm -hmm. on vacation or to a party but I don't think it's like gonna be the same kind of glamour that maybe existed before this I think it's gonna be some it's gonna look different Ooh, do you have any like feelings about how how it might look different I think like we're less I think what has kind of changed is less like that we've like accepted comfort as this quality that we require from all of our clothes and kind of instead like left behind this idea of like propriety and that like there is a thing you wear to this to work there's a thing you wear Mm -hmm. to to this place like Mm -hmm. you know the the idea of like what you feel comfortable like going outside in I think really changed for a lot of people who like maybe never even like owned a sweatsuit until last year yeah Um, but then if you look at like I see a lot of like the kind of like sexy suit trends come back where it's like business wear reworked for this, like in like a completely inappropriate 
for an office kind of context. And so I think the people just kind of are like, why, what, why did we have all these rules about like where you could wear these things? And instead I think it's kind of like rethinking, like what could you wear to a party? What, what is glamour? Can it be sweatpants? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Biz, what do you think is glamour going to happen? What do you, is it going to look different? I think it'll definitely look different. I feel like Instagram put its like total spin on glamour for the past like 10 years. So I think there's like an interesting glamour there, but I don't think that we're going to return to that. I personally think that everyone is going to start like doing like a, a Corey Kennedy thing. Mm. Not everyone, but I think that's, that's going to happen. Like kind um, of like a wafy, messy. Yeah. But still like very much leaning into like the, the party girl vibe and still kind of having some, like lots of jewelry or like uh like a red lip or like gross sequins or something which yeah i think i have seen a lot of younger people really expressing interest in this like trashy glamour thing that kind yeah. of seems like the like it opposes like good taste yeah and also kind of like the Instagram friendly glamour that happened mm-hmm. over the past 10 years where everything is like very neat and very like either tuned to be um, neutral. So it looks good on like a grid or tuned to like look really good on a screen by being like eye catching or mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think it's just going to be a reaction to that in some ways. Yeah, that makes sense. David, what do you think? Um, I guess I was sort of trying to think of this like some kind of a little bit of menswear. I'm kind of like sort of thinking, I feel like there could be sort of a one or a two. I don't know if glamour is the right word, but maybe a little bit more formality, maybe in a, a sort of a, a, one, a desire to turn to a little bit of that. Just because I feel, I mean, Nicola, you and I have talked about this. I guess we would talk about this with like Bodie. And I was just sort of like, this feels so, I don't know. It just feels like it's like in the middle. It's like very in the middle ground of things. And I feel it's like a lot of men's wearing like men's fashion right now. Things just feel so like caught between different trends and different sort of, and, and sort of like, I don't know. I feel like things, uh, I guess when I was like, maybe like in high school, I feel like things were a little bit more pronounced and sharp. Like where it was like, oh, now mm. you're wearing a suit. Like the, I guess it's sort of the idea of like my dad always telling me, oh, you need to have a suit to wear. And I always like, no, I don't want that. Just because I was just being annoying. But now I'm like, oh, when would I wear a suit? Like I yeah. wore a suit when I went to like my friend's wedding a year ago. And now beyond that, I don't know when that'll happen again. I guess I'm not an industry. I'm not like in like, finance or whatever but even in those industries i'm just like wondering it's like what are maybe i that's why i feel like there might be a desire to sort of return back to, to like try and have some reason to dress nice i remember one of my friends who's like i guess like yeah work like i guess like like in like in media but he was just like yeah i've just been craving a desire to wear a nice outfit it was earlier in the pandemic but he was just like craving the desire to like have a nice fit to wear and i'm like yeah, I definitely sort of feel that and i definitely sort of feel something like wanting to get some reason to do that but then, I don't know, I guess also it feels a little cost to me at a certain point as well, where I'm like, are we just cosplaying moments to try to look nice because we have no arbitrary other moments to sort of look nice? So I don't know. It feels very like at a crossroads. Yeah, I mean, menswear is a whole interesting thing of the last like two decades or so, like from dapper to streetwear and now whatever, a little bit more like corp core streetwear or whatever. And... Yeah, the streetwear for for marketing, for guys in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and it also feels like um, 
like men menswear, like reckoning with the lack of like gender binary, like a lot of straight guys like painting their nails and um like wearing like growing out their hair and just like trying to like play around with the like middle ground or like things that aren't so masculine or whatever. This is a a little bit of a random one, but it's like even looking at the Gucci Balenciaga stuff sort of made me think like maybe what I just said won't happen because even at like sort of the higher end level, there isn't sort of, there's sort of a leaning more into the shit that, that menswear has been doing in collaboration and is sort of like lowering things down to like a, we're not going higher, we're going lower brow. So maybe yeah. this, so I'm like kind of even wondering, maybe that's an opportunity for some other brand, like smaller brand sort of like step up, but I'm like, Oh, yeah. Even the higher in one that like the kind of brand that you might aspire to. Again, I think it's like being a little bit younger aspiring to. They're not even trying like, oh, I look at that. I'm like, oh, I don't want that. Or like, there's yeah. nothing, it's nothing better. I don't know. I was on Instagram and I saw there was a fucking um, who was it? it was Babe and um, Carhartt did a collaboration. And I'm like, I like both of those brands perfectly fine. I don't need them together. And now that they're together it just sort of lowers the value of both of them in my head a little bit. And I feel, yeah. that, and I feel that like makes it a little harder to, to want to dress up when even the things you kind of look up to just keep going down to your level a little bit. That's really interesting. Yeah. I was looking through that Balenciaga collection this morning and it is just like a lot of, yeah, like dumpy, dumpy clothes pretty much like dumpy on purpose, but it's interesting. Cause it's like sort of like feminine and masculine are, it's not like they're dissolving. It's not like we're all becoming more androgynous. It's just that we're mixing like feminine and masculine, but without, yeah, without dissolving them, we're just like putting them together. So it's like wearing like a huge sweatshirt and like huge pants, but then like a really like frilly long coat or something. David, that's interesting that you mentioned like the suit thing. Cause I've noticed a lot of like boys that I know that are like in their early, early twenties, who kind of, I would say came of age when like the whole like ear, like double pierced ear and like uh, painted nails thing was like, already like very fashionable and normal. I noticed them being like, I really want a suit. Like, I just want a suit. Like, it seems like kind of uh, some kids that grew up while that trend was already happening are being like, wait, no, I actually just want to wear a suit. I don't want to have like a dangly earring. Yeah, honestly, I feel like this is sort of like a, I don't know, I guess there is some like sort of like desire for normal, like some desire for normalcy that's definitely kind of out there. And I think that's like channeled in like different kind of, I mean, it's definitely being channeled in different kind of ways. I feel like this is something. You know, I, I, I think people are normifying. Like, yeah. I yeah. That a lot. Yeah. Like it's, I noticed like all the kids I knew who were punk and then like really like lived that lifestyle like into their 20s and like train hopped and like whatever, did the whole thing. Now that they're in their thirties, they all reject because that style has a very like loud look, right? It's like tattoos. It's like long, dirty hair. It's like black and like Carhartt clothing or whatever. Now all of those guys want to look super clean cut and they want to just like not stand out. And I think that like the new wave is like, like, I feel like, like Ella Emhoff to me is like a pinnacle that has, um, of like looking weird and androgynous, like in a way that seems like, oh, okay, this is like the cultural saturation point. And so like, if you want to be like with it, you got to move on. But a lot of people are going to like be inspired by that and like keep moving with it. I think Ella Emhoff brought the look that people maybe that are in coastal elite areas are really tired of and just made it more visible to 
people that probably hadn't reached that same saturation point. So, like, how we all, like, make fun of, like, Cafe Forgot or something. I think there's still a lot of people out there that maybe hadn't fully witnessed that at play that probably find it, like, enticing in some way. What's funny to me about Ella Emhoff is that she's kind of, like, if you've gone to art school, like, ever, that girl has existed and, like, kind of looked like that. You know what I mean? And you don't need to be in art school in New York or wherever. Like, you can be in art school in, like, a um, mid-sized city and, like, that girl is there and, like, going through exactly that phase because she is, like, young or whatever. Like, she's figuring herself out and everything. Wait, you, okay, which, wait, what mid-sized city did you grow up in? Sorry, I'm going to put you on spot. Me? Yeah. Milwaukee. Okay, Milwaukee, like, that's still, like, a solid city. Because, like, in Charlotte, where I grew up, like, that girl didn't exist there. I mean, like, maybe, Do you like... you have art a- schools in, <laughs> in Charlotte? Wait, are you... You're from North Carolina? I'm from South Carolina. That's so That's so cool. Oh, South to South Carolina. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm from Charlotte. And, like, I mean, not... I mean, there are definitely, like, some, like, some art school, like a, like, a few, like, specialty, like, arts high schools and stuff. But, like... That, like, yeah, no, like, she's definitely not a girl that I ever saw. And I tried to spend as much time in the American Apparel and Urban Outfitter <laughs> in high school. And I did not yeah. see her that kind of person that often. Now that they didn't exist, but I just didn't see them that yeah. often. I feel like it was a lot, I feel like Charlotte made it where I grew up, which is a lot more sceney. There's a lot more scene kids and a lot more, like, things in that kind of, like, hardcore, punky kind of space versus, oh, but, like, yeah. like, we were not a hipster town. Like, there weren't, yeah. like, hipsters are rare to find. I saw a lot more, like, scene kids, a lot more of that kind of thing, a lot more emo than, like, than hipster. I think, like, in Milwaukee, um, because it's close to Chicago, it's, like, a, a lot of bands will, like, stop through because it's, like, an easy, like, tour date to add. And the first time that I saw, like, an Ella Emhoff type person was, like, via Baltimore. Like, I remember this very specific group of, like, art people, like, moved to Baltimore or moved to Milwaukee from Baltimore and, like, opened this, like, really weird gallery slash reading room. And, like, it, and they were all, like, weird textile artists and, like, looked like that. I think it's just, like, if, like, fiber artists have exist looking like L.M. Hoff. There were definitely a lot of people who looked like her at Smith, where I went to college. Yeah, that's, that, that that's kind of like a perennial Smith College aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had none of that where I went to school. Like in high, in college, especially none. So that's it. That's it. No, this is interesting because, yeah, I do think it's like, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe North, I know I know there are like hipsters and those kind of folks in North Carolina, but I feel like at least when I was growing up, it felt way more sceney, way more like emo, had a bigger, like, I guess I was thinking of this in the music context where it's like people that were into pitchfork versus people that that sort of cared about like punk like punk and emo stuff are like two like different like parts of like the music world that in this point in 2021 are the same people and were always the same kinds of people but felt more apart in high school and when I, when I was growing up and I would say like North Carolina led way more on the emo side of things so I feel like stylistically it meant that when I actually was got like on tumblr like 11 years ago Jesus it was like really surprising to see like hipster stuff or like all the like page for like vampire weekend stuff was like aesthetically so enthralling to me because I just never saw anything like it. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely like, I think my big like uh fashion waking up happened, like looking at Cobra snake pictures, like <laughs> in my parent, like being in the basement, I was probably um in like eighth or ninth grade and me and my friends would like look at Cobra snake like every morning and like, <laughs> followed all of them on like MySpace and stuff like that. And uh, 
yeah, we were like, wow, there's a whole other world out there, you know? Do you think there's going to be like a new era of kind of like Cobra Snake nightlife photography? Like how Biz was saying, like, there's going to be this, there's this like kind of like going out style that's like a little bit less curated and like Instagram perfect. Is there going to be a kind of like photography scene that goes along with this that looks like the Cobra Snake? That I was, I've been thinking about this a lot too, about like the, that like, Miss Shapes era, like Cobra Snake era thing, like what will and won't kind of like be picked back up from then. Because the way I see it, like there's been a lot of like 70s influence for like quite a while now, like um, tie-dye, of course. And just like people are into ecological things that were in in the 70s, like um, communes are back. You know what I mean? Like there's just like, there's a lot about the last like half decade or so that has mirrored the 70s a lot. And then if you watch time right after the seventies comes the eighties. So I'm kind of picturing this like Donald Trump, like in his prime, I'm picturing like round tables with uh champagne and like, um, like luxury drugs and like, um, uh, yeah, like, like body con and just like full, like hedonism, I guess is what I think. Like we've had this era of being very pious um, and like thinking about the environment and thinking about all these like big issues and dealing with the big orange man, the evil Cheeto man. And um, like that after that will come like fatigue basically. And that will lead into hedonism and um, just like fully reclaiming life now that it's back or whatever. So, and just being kind of like, like, to me, that's kind of what White Boy Summer was about. It's, like, the idea of just being, like, fuck it. Like, we're getting White Boy wasted. You know what I mean? Like, nothing matters. Like, uh, it's not, but it's not nihilistic. It's not a nihilistic thing. It's it's still celebratory, but also, like, very capitalist. I don't know. I think, like, being a proud capitalist will probably come back. <laughs> I mean, White Boy wasted 09, Gucci, like, Gucci Mane, um, but also, like, right after the financial crisis, like, right during the financial crisis. So, yeah, that, like, that kind of, I mean, that's like what all music was like back then. So that kind of like sort of vibes to me. But I was actually yeah. wondering, but when you were saying sort of going out, I, was like, I guess like this is a very New York specific thing, but I was like curious if you meant like going out in Manhattan or going out in like Brooklyn. Cause I'm like, I don't know. It's like part of me was a little curious to think like, yeah, like if there is like a nightlife scene or something like that you're describing, if that just like continuation of what's already happening in these spaces or is this something kind of new potentially? I guess when I think about it and I'm thinking about like real um, like tastemakers on like a larger scale, like not necessarily that they would be like um, not not the Paris Hilton, but the Miss Shapes, for example, or something like that. Like I'm kind of interested in where like like will the meatpacking district have a have a revival for the sort of Paris Hilton tier? I wonder if like private parties will come back. But then at the same time, I kind of feel like, no, people are way too excited to like meet new people right now a private party like doesn't make sense it seems like you would want lots of like fresh blood and like you'd want to like meet and mingle with people you don't already know um but yeah like I wonder like will like real like clubbing like bottle service I could see kind of like an ironic version of that coming back which I would fully be into I like very here for the club love everything about like the club um and I can like, yeah, I can see that coming back. But then when it comes, yeah, if you scale it down to like a little bit more of like an indie cool level, I don't know, like China Chalet is gone. So I feel like something has to fill that hole, like as far as downtown New York goes. 
And I, I mean, I don't beyond me what that will be. Probably nothing because you can't smoke inside, and that's part of like what <laughs> made that that. Yeah, we need like less. The thing is, I think we need like less regulated spaces. So maybe people have to start getting creative about finding like less regulated spaces, like more informal, like pop up kind of things. I mean, that was like one of my least favorite actual trends of like Soho recently was all the pop up stores. Like they basically they were like, well, we're not going to get actual full. Like no one can afford to pay full, re- like full, like like the full like rent for these spaces. So we're just going to have pop ups that last like yeah. six weeks, and it's just like. I don't know. I guess it's also the aesthetic of all those places look exact looks exactly the same because like all the same company bought it out and it's just all renting all the space. And I'm just like, uh, this is like it has like it has like the I don't know, there's something about like less like so and a lot of malls, like like a lot of malls will have like small kiosks, but in like really small malls, those kiosks are like really, really sad and really, really boring. And all these pop-ups in, in Soho had the vibe of those like small store pop-up kiosks where I'm just like oh, you're, like, selling me, like, vanity nameplates. But, like, no one actually, like, wants any of these things you're selling me. Yeah, but now it's a vanity name necklace that yeah. has, like, pot, like uh, cut-rate pave diamonds, like, discount luxury. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, no one actually wants this, but I know you have to pay a lot of money to be here, to be here too, which is kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Jackie, what do you think, like, in a retail standpoint, do you think brands are going to, like, be doing a lot of pop-ups and stuff? I mean, I think... It's, it's just, well, like you just said, like, I think it's like a, a financial reason, like, because getting involved in like a long-term real estate lease is just like too expensive and too, you know, now knowing what we do about how kind of like volatile it is to be in the retail business, like signing a lease that long is just like, there's absolutely no way you could like guarantee that you fulfill it. So I think it makes a lot of sense to do a pop-up, but I think I agree that that like the way that pop-ups have been is like so unbearably corny and like, you know, that place Showfields in Soho or Noho, I guess, like on Lafayette, that's like has a big sign outside. This is the most interesting store in the world. And inside there's like, it's like a little kiosk for like every like DTC brand. And I don't, I mean, I haven't gone into it since it first opened like two years ago, but I just get like so angry every time I walk by there and see like a line of people outside to just like interface with like a, an e-commerce brand. So I think it's there. I mean, it's there. It's the people who want that, but I think that there's also going to be like a kind of cooler way to, you know, maybe like, it'll be like establishing a store in like off the beaten path, like the Bodhi store. That's like, I can't remember what street it's on, but it's like kind of, it's in like a cool area, but it's not really like a super heavily like foot trafficked, area something where you're kind of like a little bit it's a it's like a destination place to kind of like hang out which I think will become easier obviously when it becomes easier to like hang out inside yeah I mean that's similar to like that um where we went for brunch and I go like Brooklyn Whiskers which to me had a very big like <laughs> oh we're just hilarious man um the logo is even better if you, it's a cat with like little whiskers no like, no uh, yeah I've been, I, I've been there oh, yeah. yeah it's it has like the really low ceiling right yeah. yeah. Well, they, so, ha- they have more than one location. Oh, they the do? One in Bushwick. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Okay, sorry. That like that is just gonna stick out of my mind because it just felt like yeah, one that of the place most... really. You had a, you had like a whole experience with. It just felt like I don't know. It just felt like I was in. Like it felt very like beyond parody, where I was just like, oh, like a little too much is happening here. And I've mm-hmm. been <laughs> lived in the city for enough time to have been in things that were too much was happening, but that did feel like a little too much was happening. But I guess I was sort of thinking about it just in the sense of like there. It, it again felt kind of like a place where where I was looking at everything and was like, oh, this feels a little like too like a little too well curated. But I guess it's also kind of why I also don't like some of those pop up stores and like Soho because I'm just like, oh, this is like too much of niche. This is like too niche. It's like this feels too niche. It's like I want something a little less general. But I also feel that way about the Champion store even in Soho. Like I feel like a lot of the stores just feel like too niche. I'm like maybe I just want to go to Macy's or something. Maybe that's my own fault. My own fault. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like all these DTC brands are all about like smoothing the edges of life and like making things easier, whether that's like your suitcase or your underwear or whatever it is. And it's kind of like, um, yeah, maybe we want some friction, like maybe something like opening ceremony offered you a little bit of friction because you go in there and it's like kind of all over the place and you like sort of it's like uh a museum or a gallery like where you want to spend a lot of time kind of like looking at everything versus walking into a DTC store that's like perfectly optimized in like an Apple store kind of way where you're just sort of like okay everything's like smooth and visible and I can like I'm going to pick it out here and then the like concierge is going to go get me one from the back and like bring it out and then I guess I'm going to be gone in like 11 minutes (laughs) yeah there's like a conveyor belt yeah Yeah. that's the goal I think a lot of retail has gone in like either becoming that like super optimized like in and out kind of experience like making a decision for you or like just building a place where you go and like take a selfie and post it on Instagram to give them some kind of like free advertising but I think a lot of these I mean you that you can't take that to the bank at the end of the day like if someone's coming in and they're just taking a picture and they're leaving like that's not really a successful retail strategy either so it's like it's interesting to think about these the introduction of more friction back into the retail experience and maybe that is like kind of what's missing yeah i guess though like if you want to create an environment where people are browsing and like spending time that also like is sort of at odds right now with like where stores are only letting in like five people or like two people so when do you guys think where you can stop where like when is the fat face mask like staying at home Six months, a year. I think in New York, where like where, where where we are, it'll probably. I think it'll be. I don't know how long we'll keep wearing them. I think like by the summer, folks will be like whatever. Because even at this point, it's sort of like forty-ish percent of people at least got like one vaccine shot or something. So it's kind of like when you're hanging out with people you already know, you kind of like you may or may not have gotten the vaccine, but like some. I don't know. Everyone's playing some like mental calculus games on this. So I feel yeah. like it definitely will just be like, like this said, like region by region, even like community by community. I think like denser areas are, it's going to take longer just because it, it feels like, um, yeah, when you're in a crowded place, which is going to happen more often being in a place like New York or something, you're like, well, I should probably pop it on. Seems good. Um, but yeah, like I went to the bodega the other day and I realized I forgot my mask and like, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like the people working there weren't wearing them. <laughs> The guy in the deli wasn't wearing one. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, the face mask. Like, how do you think we're going to look back at images and videos of people? Like, I'm kind of wondering, I don't know if we want, like, I think probably a lot of COVID movies and TV and like various projects were made during this time. But like, do we want to think about it later? I don't know. 
I feel like that it was already kind of documented as it was happening made it lose any of its like mystique that I think mm-hmm. we kind of have when we like watch a movie about like a World War II or something, which obviously was being documented by like the newspapers and lots of different people, but it wasn't in the same multimedia way. Um, but I, yes, I, I don't think that it's going to have the same, uh, I think, mystique, I guess. Yeah, I think people are going to be pretty ready to, like, forget it and, like, not want to watch that on TV. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, yeah, this is absolutely right on the and, and on that point that, like, because we have so much more documentation, and also it's sort of, like, it also was, as it was even happening, it was sort of, like, depending on where you lived and depending on how people were reacting to it, it wasn't, like, it was like a universal experience. I think maybe the first couple months were like when everything was really, really shut down, basically no matter where you were in the United States, it probably felt the most universal. But by like May, and especially by the summer, that basically was just kind of like, depending on where you live, was basically kind of what your experience of this was. And I don't think it was as, I think a lot of folks, maybe not for a wrong reason, wanted to have this feel more unifying. And I feel like it was not like a very unifying experience. I feel like this probably why I also have like a reflexive dislike of mass because I'm sort of like, oh, I can kind of see that this is not, we all aren't reading the same news sources to understand Mm -hmm. that we have to wear masks. It's like when I said two masks, I was like, oh, it's just sucks going (laughs) outside and seeing people with one mask then some folks with two masks. And I'm just like, oh, we all are not like all on the same page here. Two, Two masks tells me so much about you. Like- when I say two masks, I'm I'm I just feel like I know like like everything you read, like I know what you what podcast you listen to, like I can just like yeah, it's kind of like wow. You can uh, sense the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's just like oh, you're like really up. You like check this stuff like every day. You like still check it every day or whatever. What do we think? Oh, okay. So people shopped less for clothes in the pandemic. Do you think that? people will continue kind of, or like will have had a realization of like, oh, I actually don't wear that much of what I own. Like I don't need that much stuff. Or do you think it will be short-lived and people will be back to like consuming massively once the world reopens? I feel like people bought a lot of clothes just for social media purposes, which is something Mm -hmm. I saw with like, especially the Y2K and early 2000s Paris Hilton vibe is like a lot of that clothing because it is so often like skimpy or revealing or like hyperbolic in some way. Like, I don't think that I think it's like a weird moment because I think that like a lot of teenage girls are going to be like, oh, wait, like I don't actually want to wear this outside. Yeah. Like, I don't want to wear this to go throughout my day for like eight hours. Like, I think it's different when you're wearing it to go get coffee and then going back home. Mm hmm. So I think people, I think people's wardrobes might become a little less extreme in some ways. Yeah, like having to readjust to kind of like practical matters, like, oh, I need pockets. (laughs) Yeah. I think that kind of articulates what I said earlier about like people posting more in their underwear is like that. I think she's right. Like it's that, oh, I bought this and like I can wear it on. I don't have anywhere to go really in it. So like, I'll just wear it at home and post a photo on Instagram. But then like you step outside and it feels totally different when you're like that exposed. And so it's like, oh wait, maybe this isn't my personal style after all. Like maybe I need Mm -hmm. more. When I have more places to go, I'm going to need more different kinds of clothes. I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that like less people will shop fast fashion, but you you know, it's hard to be kind of optimistic about that sometimes yeah it seems like memories are really short 
like when we were talking earlier about sustainability and like right before the pandemic, there was like so much um, single use plastic talk, like no more straws, no more bags, et cetera. All great moves. We love to see it. But um, then because of hygiene reasons, all the single use plastic came back where it's like, here's a straw wrapped in more plastic. Like here's like three plastic utensils wrapped in more plastic. Like everything had to become super hygienic. So it it felt like all of those efforts to kind of like mainstream the idea of like not having single use, like you couldn't even bring your reusable bag to the grocery store at a certain point. Like they were like no reusable bags. And I feel like we kind of like as a culture probably took like a pretty big step backwards as far as that goes. That That's probably true. I mean, that, I remember, I mean, in New York, they did, it was right. Like, I remember there was a New York Times story that basically was like RIP to the plastic bag and it had all these lovely photos. Yeah. Of plastic. And that was like a really cool feature. And then like COVID happened and it was like, actually, nah, the plastic bags are back and they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And I, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's a big step, like a step back. I think that'll eventually come back just because I feel like, I don't know, based most people kind of still think that plastic is bad. And I don't think anyone was like super happy just to have like, oh, here are your plastic utensils. Here's, like no one's like loves plastic or anything. Yeah. But I feel like that'll eventually sort of like return back. But it definitely did sort of take like a big step back right now. And so I feel like in fashion, it's probably going to be something kind of similar where there's a fallback now, but I'm sure there'll be some catalyst point or something in the next couple of years where people will be like, oh yeah, this is not sustainable. And we knew that and we just forgot it because of the pandemic for like a year, like 18 months. Oh yeah, there's going to be a whole new, um, a whole new bit of scolding going on. Like the pandemic is over. Your masks are in the ocean. They did find like pretty soon after the pandemic started, they found like a jellyfish like swimming around with like a mask on it or something like stuck to its leg or like a disposable mask or whatever. Save the jellyfish. So actually speaking of fast fashion, that was that discount stores in fast fashion saw the greatest losses within apparel. According to my research, Jackie, tell me if I'm wrong. What lessons do you think? Like, obviously those retailers did a lot of thinking, you know, they, they reflected. <laughs> uh, what do you think that they learned and how might we see them pivot? Well, I think that, I mean, I think apparel sales, like, overall suffered, no matter where, um, unless maybe, like, you are, like, entire world or something, like, selling only sweatsuits. I don't think, like, I think that one of the things that the fast fashion companies, I mean, it's different with, like, off-price, like, TJ Maxx, which I think has a kind of perennial appeal as, like, a place where you go and, like, have a kind of it's a unique shopping experience where you're like deal hunting. And like when those stores reopened, there were like hundreds of people outside TJ Maxx, like banging on the windows to get in. But I think fast fashion has the ability to, because the supply chains are so nimble, they can just like design something. Like if the trend changes, like towards loungewear or back towards whatever else it is after, like they can just design it, send it to a factory. It's made, it's sent to a store. It's on the rack and like, two weeks, you know? And I think that that gives them an upper hand to kind of keep up with trends in terms of style. And like the only thing that would change, it would really be like, I think a big consumer mindset shift away from fast fashion. And I think as long as there's people whose budgets require them to shop there, there's going to be, and like the inequality that we this country has like that that's not really going to be something that we can like feasibly get rid of unfortunately my reading of like tj maxx and h&m is that they're very much like 
it's less about making a plan to go there and it's more like you're running another errand, you walk by one or you're like in the strip mall and you're like going to the Whole Foods or whatever, but there's like also a TJ Maxx. I don't know, Whole Foods probably not share a strip mall with a TJ Maxx, but for instance, like it seems like kind of the sort of thing that you like go in on a whim and like spend and like that's how they make money is that people are just sort of like on a whim shopping rather than being like, oh, I'm going to log on to like tjmax.com and like really hunt down what I want, or like hnm.com. Like, um, I wonder if they'll try to like figure out some different like e-com strategies because there's no reason they can't be doing business online, you know, except that I think that consumers like don't think of them like first of mind, really. It's more like by chance. With TJ Maxx and off price is different because like the inventory is just like way too yeah um unor like not necessarily unorganized but it's too complicated for ecom like it's not streamlined enough to like put into like ecom listings and fulfillment because it's all coming from like a bunch of different channels and they're also not allowed to like technically um they have different deals with every brand that they sell and so like if you look at tjmax.com it'll be like famous brand. And they can't, mm-hmm. like, show it to you until it's in your cart. So, like, if you're searching yeah. for Calvin Klein shirt, TJ Maxx might sell a ton of them, but it won't come up as, like, a search listing because it's not allowed to. So they're, like, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of have their hands tied when it comes to, like, how good their e-com can be. But I think people like that shopping. Like, I mean, maybe it's, like, a boomer thing. Like, I think about my mom and how much she fucking loves TJ Maxx. And, like, mm-hmm. she just goes as, like, an activity, you know? Yeah. like. Even like in the during the like kind of like midst of the pandemic, she's in Pennsylvania and it was like she would be at TJ Maxx and I'd be like, Mom, this is not like safe. And she'd be like, Well, it's open. Yeah. You know, I have my mask on. Yeah. Like, you literally don't need to be here. And she's like, But it's just it's something to do. I need to get out of my house. And that's what I was gonna say. My my mom and my aunt both talk about like going to TJ Maxx or Kohl's or all those stores, which is sort of like a like a visuality to it, where it's like it's Saturday. It's 11. I have to go to TJ Maxx. And you just go there and it's like, do I buy anything? It's like, I got, my mom will get like a shirt or like look for a pair of shoes if it's a nice day, buys them, doesn't probably wear it more than a couple of times. And then like, by, at the end of the year, but when I go home for the holiday, I was like, like my closet's so full. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you like go shopping every week to buy like mm-hmm. one or two weird things you don't actually really want. But it's a nice habit. I mean, yeah, I, so, so yeah, I actually kind of, I, I, said, I said that very droll, but I actually do think that it's kind of like, it's a nice like sort of like routine to sort of be in, especially I feel like when you're older and don't have as much like going on and it's not like, you're not really stressed about it. You're just like, oh, I saw a nice shirt. Maybe I'll wear it. Maybe I won't. And if you don't, and you remember, you can't return it. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of like, um, like the third place concept that Starbucks sort of like invented or whatever. Like you have work, you have home. And you have, like, a third place to go and just sort of, like, be. And, like, you could go to Starbucks or you could just, like, go and, like, be at TJ Maxx. I mean, I think Target has a really similar thing. I think people have different relationships. It's just, like, or even, like, for me, it's, like, the dollar store. Just, like, being in this, like, large place and just taking, like, a lot of time to, like, look at everything really slowly. And then, like, sort of selecting things. And then, like, getting to the end and being, like, oh, what do I really want to take home with me? Yeah. It's an activity. That's kind of, though, one of the things that I feel like the pandemic has taken away is like retail is the third place because Mm -hmm. like there were so many stores like at every different level you know there's like the ALD store with the cafe and like couches and like but you can't really if you went in and like sat down 
and there's like a line of people who want to get in, it's yeah, not, it's shitty. not really like a third place. It's like a, you go in, you make a transaction and you leave. So it would be nice to kind of get that back because I think that that was something brands were really trying to build as like a, you know, brand as community space. Yeah. And that's been building for a while because brands were seeing that re- retail wasn't really, it wasn't paying, like how much it was costing to have those spaces wasn't being made back in sales. So everyone was pivoting to like, okay, well, how can we use this as an event space or something else that we can kind of like funnel into our like brand marketing budget instead of having this actually be like a retail budget kind of thing. And it feels like now one, because all the brands are like so conscious now that they all have to have like workshops and like uh, panels and stuff like that. So like, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more like experiential retail with like the word community used until um, it means even less than it does now. And, (laughs) and I think we're definitely going to see like pop-ups and collabs because there's like a um like an urgency to them you know it's not like going to everlane where like it's always going to be the same shirts or whatever it's like oh you need to come now you need to come this weekend because it's only this weekend or like you need to come now because it's like maybe it'll be kind of like that era of the um like uh band team merch pop-ups like the rap team merch pop-ups of like 2016 I was going to say, I guess that's why I feel like I would have, like, that sounds so unappealing because that that happened and that was just such a, I mean, I stood in line for a lot of things that, that in, like, 20, like 2016, 2017, stood in a lot of lines those summers and, like, I kind of am happy not to do that again. But to what Jackie was saying about sort of the, that sort of, like, communal space, that is definitely something I do miss about going to stores is that I like just lingering and just sort of, like, hanging out in a store. And that's, like, not been fun the last year, even though I've Nico and I and me and a bunch of other friends have just had days of just going shopping at stores. It is still just doesn't quite feel the same right now. And I'm like very much excited for that to sort of be like to start feeling a little bit more normal. Cause that is like the one thing I did like about like, like a brand like Noah, they're like, they're like store was very much like just hang out or like the good company or like some other like street, like lower Manhattan streetwear store. It's like, Oh yeah. I can't really hang out just to what, to what you were saying earlier. Like, yeah, there's a line. So you got to kind of keep it moving. And yeah, and you kind of want to like, this is probably more like New York specific or like big city specific rather than just like anywhere shopping in general. But like, yeah, you kind of want to go to the Noah store to like see who else is there. You know, you like sort of want to see like who's around, uh, who's working there. I mean, I did that in high school, like any of the stores in the mall. I mean, that's also like a whole mall thing too, just seeing like who goes to the different stores. So yeah, yeah. who's around? Who's up? Who's what's going on. Me and David have been talking a lot about how like scenes are going to be back. And I feel like store store as scene is like definitely a thing. Um, like I feel like Bodie is like its own little scene and it has the coffee shop or whatever now that they opened. I don't know if that's like a second separate outpost that they have, but yeah, I think scenes are going to be back. And I think that stores are going to like be part of that. Like independent stores will be part of that. I don't think that like a huge retailer is going to be able to like accomplish that really. They'll try. Yeah, I'm sure they'll try. But yeah, like like opening ceremony was a scene. You know what I mean? Like it was like you go there and you see like specific, like you just see like interesting people. Like it's a very kind of like specific experience. And even like the people that work there seem very like, it's like part of it. It's like, um, yeah, like having store associates that like are in line with the brand, but in a way that's kind of like not like a written rule. It's just like more of like a vibe or something. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a uh, browsing. It sounds like we're all kind of ready for browsing to come back and like mm-hmm. not these like really slick 
like you were saying, Jackie, like pre-chosen, like pre-decided experiences. That's actually something that's really bummed me out about Instagram ads and um, stuff like that is that it feels very much like the brands and the algorithm are deciding what people want and serving it to them. And people are just sort of like mindlessly saying like, oh, sure, of course I want a lavender sweatsuit or whatever it might be instead of spending any time or energy like browsing and like picking things it's like just sort of being like told to you it's like oh you're this age and income level and you live in this area and you follow these accounts like you will like this and it's like you're right I will like that and it's like so mindless um it's like kind of a bummer to me yeah I definitely think shopping should be like physically difficult like I not like Mm -hmm. intensely so but I think I just remember when I was younger, like, going to the mall, you would be tired afterwards. You'd yeah. be like, oh, my God, I have to go take a nap. And that is, like, that is, I think, so much more satisfying than, like, when your eyes hurt because you are scrolling on different e-com websites for so long. And that's what I think about when I think about the opening ceremony store. It was, just, it was like, so messy. So you yeah. kind of have to, like, go, you know, be bending over and, like, crouching and, like, trying to find the right thing. And I definitely like that experience. Maybe that's why I don't really like uh, any of the like resale, like online resale platforms or whatever, but maybe that's something people like about them is the browsing aspect. Like it takes some time to find something on Depop, I imagine, like, or Grailed or the real real, depending on how slick of an experience you want. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, I think the one reason why I kind of like going on like Grailed or something is that sort of ease of browsing that is kind of nice, especially when like, also, I guess this is just my other complaint is that like using other websites are so te- are so terrible because most websites are so bad now. Yeah. Um, that it's like, oh yeah, this is like at least like vaguely functional with so many things. I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of busted. Yeah. Agree with what Biz said about like being tired after going shopping. That's like a great thing. I definitely do miss that. I also I miss, I guess like the other thing that's sort of nice about that is like I remember when I would like I guess I'm just thinking of high school now a little more so. It's like if I went to American Apparel and like bought a shirt or two, was like trying on the shirt at home and being like, okay, I had a whole day out. Now I'm going to try on these new clothes I just bought, look at myself and just sort of feel like, okay, I accomplished something here. Yeah. And I do not ever, and like, I guess I, I just never feel that buying anything online. Like when I bought like, oh, hold up. When I like, oh, you won't be able to see it because the way my, my background blurred. But like I bought a Versace ring from like the Versace store earlier this year. And that felt so happy. I felt so good when I bought it and then left. But they didn't even have it at the store. You're right. Oh, wow. I'm now like, I forgot. <laughs> Shit. You, yeah. And they, they, they didn't, one, they didn't have it at the store to purchase. And two, they wouldn't order it like from the store for him. He had to go buy it online himself, which is hilarious. Okay. Thank you, Nicola, for like, I was about to like superimpose a memory onto my, onto this podcast. Thank you for correcting the facts. Yeah. No, <laughs> that was actually a shitty like retail experience. Cause yeah, it was like only one, I was the only person allowed in the store. There were only two people inside and they didn't have the ring in my size. So yeah, I had to like, and then I couldn't order it from the store. So that was, actually was an incredibly shitty experience, to be honest. But when I got the ring, I did feel really good. So I guess what I said was the inverse of what I meant. Because, like, getting it online was actually still pretty pretty satisfying, actually. Maybe because you did the trek. You, like, went to the Upper East Side. You, like, did the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's probably part of it. Yeah, like, that journey. Like, no one was... It was, like, a, such a desolate day. No one was outside. It was really, really dreary. And, like, it seemed like a really shitty experience. But it was nice to actually go like go that 45 minute train ride to go actually try to buy a thing. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here. So I guess final thoughts, 
what do we like? What do we think? What's uh, what's happening this summer? What's happening this fall? What are your guys's bets? David, you go first. Right now, I just feel like when I go outside, at least in like New York, I just feel like things are still like people are just figuring out what's been going on. And I do think things are like slightly more turned to a slightly more extreme level. And I think by the fall, I do expect some of that to sort of like recede back. And maybe there will be a little bit more formality. I guess I'm just curious, I guess, again, New York and probably big city thing is like the people will go back to the back to the office or stuff like that. Because I feel like if folks like fight that hard enough or they just like not as much return back to that, I do think there will be sort of like a resetting of like, so what is even office attire for like some of these like jobs where like, why are you wearing a button down shirt before? I couldn't really tell you. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, now you really don't have any reason to, especially when you're like just working from home at this point. You don't even have like for older folks, you don't have your kids there to like say like, oh, my kids are here. I got to have to kind of be a little more chill. It's like, nah, you're just like working from home because you want to. So kind of sort of my thought. Biz, what about you? What do you think is going to happen this summer? What do you see forecast for this summer and then going into fall? I, I still really think like the mid 2000s party girl thing is going to come back. And obviously that's kind of more of a focus on the, you know, a specific younger demographic and what they're going to be doing. But I think, yeah, people are going to lean into this kind of like messy, grungy, corny style that I always call like millennial core. But like, I know that's like a really broad term, but I, I call it that. Wait, what do you like? What's a what's a millennial core outfit in your mind? Um, like I specifically think of like like two thousand eight, like wearing like worn out American Apparel and having like really ratty kind of like dirty hair and wearing like a lot of jewelry or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is going to come back and probably into the fall. I could kind of see people normifying in the fall more because I feel like last fall the christian girl autumn thing was happening and that was kind of a joke but like the whole flared leggings gap thing is literally that so i could see that coming back more so since people have you know had more time to adjust to it being adjust to it being something other than like a meme i guess yeah i can see that for sure um i also think it's like kind of, like, thinking about, like, Lana Del Rey and, like, the difference between her, like, stage persona that she's had for so long versus, like, the version of herself that she's showing, like, in her normal life now and how it's kind of, like, a basic transcendent. Like, that's what I, like, that's, like, when you talk about, like, leggings and, like, gap and, like, that kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, it's, like, transcendent basic. It's, like, taking, like, all of this stuff that was supposed to be, like, lame and being, like, and yeah reclaiming it or whatever giving it new meaning i also think old like the i see this like old money thing coming back which is really a funny turn from kind of like the eat the rich vibe of like 2020 um like um new heiresses kind of it's more like i'm sure you guys have noticed kind of like the preppy style like the tennis skirts and sweater vests and stuff but i see Mm -hmm. that being taken to another level which is like literally trying to look like you live in mar-a-lago yeah or martha's vineyard or something yeah yeah like a country club country club look but with but do you think it'll be like country club with like a spin on it or do you think it'll be straight up i'm saying like straight up but i'm sure in real life they'll probably get like shy and you know have to alternify it somehow yeah 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 um jackie what about you what do you see spring or summer into fall 
I feel like I've also noticed the preppy thing. I think it like at first it like kind of bubbled up in like streetwear and like for men that kind of like, but I think it was not, it was with a twist. It was like, it wasn't like an old polo ad with like a bunch of white dudes. It was like a bunch of like, maybe like your traditional like streetwear consumer just wearing like a, a chino or like, and I think that could also just be like that consumer getting older and like dressing a little bit more like an adult. But I think that now it's, you see it dripping more into like women's wear as well. Like the tennis stuff, you see that a lot. I think there's also like this kind of interesting, I feel like, have you guys noticed this like rise of these like kind of indie, like Instagram brands that are like, I feel like there's two things happening where there's like indie fast fashion where like some people are like figuring out how to do some kind of like low cost imports business and like make it look like they're running like a, a small business out of Cal Lake where they like make them mm-hmm. in California. But then there's also the kind of like Orson Iris mirror play brands that are like these weird, they're like small, like really like low production runs and they like sell out and create a lot of hype and are kind of like teaching women to shop like you would shop for like Supreme. Like, you know, like you have a the timer for mm. the drop. Yeah. <laughs> and women are so not, I think, used to that. And so you'll like if you read the comments on their like Instagrams, they'll be like, oh, my God, like I was waiting like till I got paid and everything was sold out. And it's like, yeah, I think you see that a lot more in like women's brands. That's, I think, something that's, like, an interesting... It's less, like, a, a style and more of, like, a a kind of concept. But I'm also really interested in this idea of, like, millennial core. And um, because I feel like American Apparel has come up, like, so many times, I'm, like, kind of shocked. <laughs> that's because I, Biz... You should listen to Biz's, um, her podcast, Infet Alumni, and they did, like, a couple of episodes about American Apparel. Yeah. So I was really steeping in that, like, over oh. the last couple of days. Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, wait, can we go back to that? And Biz, you'd, like, tell me, like, we're American. Because, like, I was, like, peak. that You know, I was, like, that age. I worked at American Apparel in 2008. Like, it, it, I feel like I have, like, PTSD from that experience. And it's crazy oh. that it might, like, come back. <laughs> Yeah, I just, for the past year or so, I've noticed a lot of people either, like, buying American Apparel or circulating their old ads and kind of, like, looking at them with a a, a different eye, kind of being like, oh, I really like this type of, like, imagery. So, yeah, it just became, like, a point of fascination for me. And so I, like, dedicated, like, a lot of my time to, like, me and two of my friends I don't know, kind of like a, not like a manifesto, but definitely a very long take on like why that's happening. Because I think there is a lot of, a lot of things going into it, but I think it, it is, has to do with kind of like the DTC brands are just so like, they're so morally and like visually antiseptic in some ways. Like they're so good and all the designs are so like Parade, for example, like it's so... I don't know. There's nothing super exciting happening there. So I think most of it is kind of a reaction to that and like wanting to lean into things being like messy or even like problematic in a way. Mm-hmm. Post-woke. Yeah. We're ready yeah. for some post-woke apparel. Interesting. No, it's funny because actually I've spent most of my money at Los Angeles apparel, like as far as buying clothes in the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. because I just like have wanted really like simple clothes uh, that also like 
you know, that I can wear at home that are comfortable, but I can also like walk my dog and not feel like ugly. And they really, they really hit that quality and that price point. Um, and you could pay in four. So I'm paying in four for all my Los Angeles apparel. Um, but I thought about it a lot. Like, uh, I was, I was writing something about sustainable fashion for Earth Day and, um, reading stuff that other people have written about it. And like one girl was writing about how she always stayed away from American apparel because even though they had like good uh, labor practices, she didn't like the way that women were treated in the company or something like that. And like, that wasn't uh, ethical in, in her mind's eye. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't put Los Angeles apparel, even though I'm a consumer and like, it's like my main, like the main brand I'm like buying from. It shouldn't shouldn't include this because I forgot about like other yeah about people being like touchy about that. I've also like I've bought things from Los Angeles Apparel, and I agree. Like I think the the quality and price is fine, but it does feel a little bit like some of the the product shots and like the actual product. It just like looks so much like American Apparel, and it's like yeah, kind of sad that like Dove Charney won't let this go, and it would be interesting to see someone else's take on it even if it's still post-woke or problematic and just not that same guy yeah 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 i know i it was like i like watching american apparel like crumble underneath him like in the end days was like hard to watch because again like i said earlier it's like they have everything or had everything kind of like in line you know what i mean and it was like why are you flailing like why can't you why can't you make products that people want like there's no reason you can't get some like designers in here who can like whip up some stuff that people want and they tried many times like had different people try to rework that brand and like i don't know i guess i think it's sold on amazon now american it is yeah yeah it's like owned by gildan oh yeah yeah i never really like looked at their stuff so much but shout out los angeles apparel cool well i think that's it then thank you guys again do you have any plugs for the probably like 11 people that will listen? To this? <laughs> well, thank you so much for having us on. I don't know. On the American apparel thing, I did do like a, a crazy long deep dive into the cultural moment and why it's being resurfaced. So if anyone wants to listen to that, I, my podcast is called Nymphet Alumni. So you can check it out there. I do a newsletter called Penny Fractions. It's called like the music biz, which is like, unrelated to anything we've really talked about today. But if you're curious about the music, like music political economy, which is very stupid and very dumb, um, you can check out, check out my newsletter to learn more about it. What are we, what's our activism right now, David? Oh, wait, what do you mean? Like, what, like what, <laughs> what, what, what do we do? What do we need to be political about right now? Um, yeah. Um, well, oh my God. I don't want to, okay. Well, yeah, I guess like if you're in New York city, there's a mayoral election. So check that out. Um, if you're an American, I guess, um, we want to pass the PRO Act, which is a good union bill. That's like a thing. And then beyond that, I don't know. Be nice to your friends. Like, it's. I don't know. I heard like, there's like a lot of high energy, a lot of like high energy and stress out there, obviously, because it's just been bad the last year. So yeah, be nice to people. That could be your activism if you want to be like low level. Be gentle. Always a suit. You never know what anyone's going through. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you.